Let's take our Bibles tonight, turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 50. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 50 tonight. Uh, last week I kind of brought what I called a message uh, <clears throat> that was a lesson from the grave, I said. And I said I wasn't sure I might even do kind of a series on it. That would really be kind of, it's, it's more of a kind of hit and miss type thing, but uh, I, I did do something this week on it. And we're going to talk today a little bit about Joseph today. And uh, we're going to try to see if we can't learn something from the grave and see if we can't understand something that will be helpful to us uh, this evening. So Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 22, we're going to read uh, through the chapter. The Bible says, And Joseph dwelled in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. <clears throat> so Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, <clears throat> we are aware of the illustrious career of Joseph. From resented, hated brother to revered and honored leader. I mean, this man experienced the lowest of valleys, and yet he enjoyed the highest of mountain peaks. We can learn much, I believe, from this man of faith. And honestly, we can learn from the grave tonight. And so tonight, I want to just share a message or a couple of thoughts, really, from the grave tonight, what we can learn. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll see what we can figure out and what God will lead us to, uh, what truths He'll lead us to tonight. Father, we love you. <clears throat> Thank you for these that have gathered. Lord, what a great group that's here this evening. We're praying, Lord, and asking that you'll speak to our hearts. Again, Lord, we are a needy people. We thank you, Father, for your word, and we thank you for your Son and for our salvation. Lord, what a privilege it is to gather in your house tonight to hear from your word. Lord, uh, we look forward to the baptism that we'll be having tonight, as well as, Father, the opportunity for a team to celebrate the victory that, Father, you gave them. Lord, again, we thank you, Father, for just the privilege that we have to be a part of this place, this house. <clears throat> now, Lord, bless the service. Be with the message. And Father, be with me, the messenger. Fill me with your spirit. And, Lord, may you just give me the very words to say. Be glorified in everything that's said and done tonight. And, Father, may we listen equally with spiritual ears. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 22 through 26, we notice, of course, that Joseph has been dwelling now in Egypt for quite some time. Of course, we know his brothers have placed him in a pit. Ultimately, he ends up in Potiphar's house where he's falsely accused of doing some horrible things. He's then placed in prison where he seems like he'd rot away forever, at least it seemed at times. He ultimately is elevated to second in command in all of Egypt in that sense, ruling and reigning there in Egypt and directing and uh, <clears throat> ordering Pharaoh's servants around. And before it's over with, because of the drought that took place that he had said would transpire as a result of the dream of Pharaoh, he uh, sees his family coming in. There's a great, should I say exactly, uh, actually there were seven years of prosperity, then there's seven years of drought. And so now we have the family of Joseph uh, joining him. And so Jacob shows up. We're going to see that Jacob has spent 17 years there in the land. And now, of course, he's on passed along as well. And now we're going to see Joseph here in our passage preparing to die as well. And the Bible tells us there in verse 26 that he did die. And being 110 years old, and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. He's put in a coffin. What can we learn about that? What can we learn from that? And again, we're talking about lessons from the grave. And so I have three thoughts that I want to share with you that I believe we can learn basically from Joseph and the coffin and from the grave tonight. Number one, we are never really at home while in this world because we're citizens of heaven. Amen. That's the first thing we learn and we understand, I think, or not necessarily the first thing, but it's one of the things. Uh, I'm sure you could come up with a number of others on your own. But this is one of the things that I saw or I couldn't help but to, to recognize as I considered this passage and as the Lord gave me some insights, I believe. 
Joseph, although he was quite connected, although he was very successful in Egypt, clearly he felt he was a stranger in the land. I mean, he may have possessed a lovely home, a nice chariot, plenty of fantastic servants, but still when push came to shove, his homeland was Canaan. I mean, Joseph was second, the, most, the second most powerful man in Egypt, but his heart was still in his birthplace. I mean, before it's all said and done, he makes the children of Israel promise to take his bones back to Canaan. That's amazing. He made a life in Egypt, yet he never felt at home there. The book of John, chapter 17, verse 16, turn there if you would, please. The fact is, is that you and I may experience tremendous success in the world in which we live. We may have many lovely possessions and greatly enjoy our lives. However, as believers, we cannot become comfortable in Egypt to the point that we lose sight of home. Notice in John 17, 16, the Lord Jesus is praying. He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He's talking about those that he would ultimately incorporate and include in his fold, his family. He's talking about you and I today that have put our personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, they are not of the world. Now, we know that Egypt is a type of the world. So, therefore, we see Joseph never really believes that Egypt is home. Canaan is his home. Where he came from is his home. God was going to provide them a land and he would one day carry his bones out of Egypt and put him in his proper place. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Look, if you would, there, please. Hebrews 11, all the way to the end of the Bible. <clears throat> Again, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God in this life. It's okay to have a nice home and a nice car, and it's great to have a, a, you know, a, a beach house on the beach like me and... <clears throat> I don't really have that, but nonetheless, I, I just think there's nothing wrong with having things in your life, but we have to be very careful as believers that we don't take or place our roots so deep in this world that we lose sight of home. Notice what he says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, talking about the hall of faith and the many patriarchs and saints through the years. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that's something. They said, you know what? This is not our home. We are simply strangers and pilgrims on this earth. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, probably a little more familiar passage. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Again, you and I today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are simply strangers. We are pilgrims in this land. We sing a song. It says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. My goodness, we need to realize and recognize the fact that we are simply strangers in this world, but we are citizens of heaven. 
And God help us to realize, even as Joseph helped us to understand, that although he might have lived his life in Egypt, although he may have had great success and great wealth and great notoriety in that place, he never counted it as home. He simply said, man, this is a great place to live, but uh, this is a great place to visit, but I certainly wouldn't want to live here. And he said, when it comes time and the Lord leads you out of this place, you get me back home where I belong. You and I are citizens of heaven and we can't afford to get too awfully attached to Egypt today. God help us to long for home. To long for home. Number two, another thing we learned from the grave. Follow in the footsteps of the faithful. Follow in the footsteps of the faithful. Well, although Joseph's father, Jacob, had dwelt in Egypt for the last 17 years of his life, he would request to be buried in Canaan. Again, he had lived his life on the other side there. He, he had come to Egypt simply because of the drought and because his son was now second in command. And so he makes his way there to Egypt. And for 17 years, he lives his life and enjoys his family. But when it's all said and done, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 50 that he requests to be buried in Canaan. Look, if you will, in Genesis 50 again. Look at verses 1 and 2. Jacob's not going to continue to live any longer. He's lived his life now. And in Genesis 50, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. Again, his name was changed to Israel. When they leave Egypt, they'd be a nation. When they entered, they were a family. Notice Genesis 50, verse 5. My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. Jacob had come from the land of Canaan. He had already picked out a plot and he had said, Listen, I may be visiting Egypt, but I don't live in Egypt. That's not my home. I want to be buried back home. I want to go back where I belong. So chapter 50, verse 13, For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of uh, the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the... Uh, with, the field, uh, with the field for a possession of a burial place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. So he's buried in this cave at Machpelah. Again, we have Jacob who's saying, listen, I don't belong here in Egypt. This may be where I've lived the last 17 years, but this ain't home. This is not, where I, this is not home for me. <clears throat> And you know what? Not only did Jacob require that his sons bury him in Canaan, but he also shared a prophecy with Joseph that would ultimately come to pass almost 400 years later. And in Genesis chapter 48, verse 21, he tells him, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, 
but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. You know what he was saying? He's saying, listen, the people of God, you and the people of God will not dwell here forever. This is only temporary, but God's going to bring you back into the land of your fathers. God's going to put you back in the land of Canaan. God's going to place you where you belonged all along. And although it would be almost 400 years later before they ever entered that land, and actually longer than 400 years before they actually occupied the land, the fact is is that there they did indeed see the promise of God fulfilled. And Jacob's saying, listen, you take me on back home. And one day the truth is, son, you'll, you and all the rest of these fellows are going to be, uh, Israel's going to be heading on out as well. And so he said, don't leave my bones here. Bury me in Canaan where I belong. Take me home. Because that's where we belong. That would be where they ended up. So Joseph, in a sense, followed the faith of his father. His father's the one that said, listen, God's going to take you out of here. God's going to remove you from this land. God's going to place you in Canaan. His dad had been faithful to the end. And he had proven himself all along. Now Joseph chooses to believe dad and follow in his footsteps. How important is it that you and I follow in the footsteps of those that have gone before us? And we're getting away from that today. We're quickly moving away from following those of the past. We're getting away from following after the faith of the fathers of our movement, Christianity, biblical faith. Jacob says, don't leave me here. Take me home. Joseph says, well, hmm, don't leave me here. Take me home following the faith of his father. Oh, daddy said, I'm going to end up being over in another land one day. Take me, take me out of here. Don't leave me behind. He believed his father and he believed God's promises. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, turn if you would please to Jeremiah 6 verse 16. <clears throat> we see how important it is that we follow the faith of our fathers. We follow the faith of those that have gone before us. We used to be told things like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Sadly enough, we're fixing things that aren't broken. We're changing things because it's more convenient, more comfortable, not because it works better. Not because it produces deeper levels of Christianity. Not because it enables our families to grow stronger and tighter together. It's funny how churches have taken their emphasis off the church and put it on so-called family and have dismissed their services and said, spend time with your families. But families are in worse shape today than they ever were. It's funny to me how we've neglected God in our culture and in our society. How even we've been able to, to kick God to the side in our own churches. Oh, don't have Sunday night service. You ought to stay home and enjoy television with your family. You ought to stay home and do something productive with your family. Then how come so many kids are losing their lives in this world we live? Doesn't seem to be working to me. I have a real problem with it. I still believe that teenagers can turn out for God. I don't believe they have to go to the devil. I don't believe they have to walk on the wild side for so many years before they finally figure it out. I think God can still preserve them and protect them in the world we live. They don't have to turn out for the devil. They can live for Jesus Christ. 
And I don't want you young people to lose sight of the fact that just because you're young doesn't give you a license to go out and act like idiots. You ought to act like the young men you are, and you ought to act like the young ladies you're supposed to be. Take some responsibility for your decisions. You may not be over 18 or 21 or whatever it is, but still, you're supposed to have Christ living in you. Then start acting like it. Look at Jeremiah 6.16. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For they said, We will not walk therein. Boy, the children of Israel had gotten away from the, the patriarchs and gotten away from the faith of their fathers. What did it do for them? It only brought bondage. You know what? I see a church age and I see a people in America that are more in bondage than ever to vice and more in bondage to self and sin and selfishness. It doesn't seem like we're getting better. It doesn't seem like we're evolving in the right direction. And every time we turn around, it seems that folks that have the old-fashioned ideas and folks that continue to maintain some sense of responsibility and say, listen, there's no way you can just continue to dismiss your, your responsibility and your God-given responsibilities. And they say, people say, you're just an old fuddy-duddy. You need to let go of that old stuff. Listen, this is a new age. It's a new world we live in. It's not right. You can't expect girls to be pure when they get married. You can't expect guys to actually be kind to ladies. And you can't expect things to work the way they're supposed to work. And that Bible's old-fashioned. And that Bible's out of touch with reality today. And you can't expect people to not, to not actually be wicked and sinful like it it's just a different day we live get with the program now i don't want to get with that program i I don't want to just just give up i don't want to throw my hands in the air and say well you can't do anything about it forget it who cares i'm not doing that i don't care what my teenager thought of me i don't care what my kids thought of me i was going to do what was best for my kid best for my teenager no matter what culture said no matter what the society said i'm going to stand up for what's right amen you know what? And that's what we all have to do. Yes, sir. In this case, the Bible says, Thus say the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. I don't know. It seems to me that things worked out pretty good in the old days yes. in one sense. Oh, I know there were abuses of things. I know there were problems. I realize it wasn't a perfect world. But let me tell you something. I do believe today that we are dismissing some of the most sacred values that we have and moralities that we have. And we're throwing away some real truths that really would benefit our people and our young people. I don't see young people growing up with character like I used to. I don't see people prepared to face life like they used to. It seems more people are on drugs and alcohol and vice than ever before. Why is that? Crime is up and there's problems in our cities and our homes and our culture. Why is that? I got to believe maybe because we've abandoned the old paths, the old ways. And I'm not, I'm talking, yes, of course, without a doubt about the old word of God, but I'm also talking about just good old common sense even. Something to be said about that because good old common sense is rooted in good old Bible preaching and teaching. Following the footsteps of the patriarch, Jacob. <clears throat> I mean, that guy, I mean, Joseph's following in the footsteps of that, of the, of that patriarch. When we talk about Jacob as a patriarch, well, he was daddy to, to, to Jacob, to Joseph, excuse me. And boy, I'll tell you what, he says, daddy's not the only one going to be uh, buried in the homeland then. He's not the only one that's going to be buried in that promised land. He's not the only one that's going to be, be there in the end. I'm going to be there too because I'm going to follow in daddy's footsteps. 
I mean, let me just say this, uh, people of Israel. If it's good enough for daddy, it's good enough for me. I want you to take my bones out of here. I don't want you to leave me here. I want to be back home where I belong too. You know what? Today we need to embrace daddy's Bible again. I mean, we need to embrace daddy's faith and daddy's worship and daddy's love for God and daddy's standards and daddy's commitment to the house of God. We need to say, hey, mama knew what she was talking about and grandma knew what they were talking about. Listen, I'm going to embrace some of those old ways, those old paths. I want to receive them and accept them. I want to live them. It'd do us all good to do that. Lessons from the grave. Following in the footsteps of the faithful. Even as Joseph followed in his daddy's footsteps. It'd do us good to follow in the footsteps of those that have gone before us. Number three, and finally, you say, wow, this is fast. It is. It's fast. Number three, what other lessons do we learn from the grave? Third and finally, leave a legacy of faith. Leave a legacy of faith. Joseph held on to God's promises while he suffered in Egypt. You know, early on in Joseph's life, you know, God came to him and, and revealed some things to him in some dreams. Man, I mean, he had a vision and he saw himself a certain way and he recognized that God was working and moving, made some real promises to Joseph. And in Egypt, while he suffered, he held on to those promises till they were literally realized in his life. I mean, he survived the rejection of his brothers and the lonely pit when he remembered God's promises. Oh, I remember what God promised me. I remember when he spoke to me in secret. I remember what God said to me and how he spoke to me and how he worked in my life. I believe God today. Oh, I might be lonely in the bottom of this pit. I feel rejected by my brethren. I feel like my family doesn't even love me. I feel like nobody cares about me, but I know God does. He endured the false accusations of Potiphar's wife when he remembered God's promises. I can't even imagine being falsely accused of doing something so heinous and so horrible. And yet this young man, instead of losing his mind, instead of going totally off the deep end, instead of turning his back on God, he said, no, I remember the promises of God and I'm going to continue to endure. I'm going to continue to go forward. I'm not going to allow the false accusations of a wicked, sinful woman to keep me from believing in my God. And he stayed faithful and he stayed true. He withstood the hardship of prison life when he remembered God's promises. There he was, cast into a prison. He didn't deserve to go there. He had done nothing to merit that. And yet there, as he rotted away in that jail, as he sought, thought to himself, this could be where I spend the rest of my life, he remembered those promises and said, no, this can't be where I spend the rest of my life because God had promised me something better. God's promised me something different. This isn't the end at all. You know, he just kept going even though the baker neglected him and forgot about his help. He did that all. And how could he do it? Because he remembered God's promise. He could have thought to himself, not only did my brethren reject me there, throwing me into a pit, selling me into slavery, I end up in this wicked, sinful land, and then I'm falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. I end up in prison where I finally convince myself that God's not going to leave me here to rot and die. Because he promised me some things. And then all of a sudden when it seems that I'm going to get out. When it seems somebody's going to finally come to my aid. When it seems that somebody's going to finally let somebody know that I deserve to be free. 
they reject me and forget all about me. But no, he didn't just throw his hands in the air. He didn't just give up. He said, no, I believe the promises of God and he's going to get me through this. I'm not going to rot here forever. God's got something for me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. God knows and so do I. So Joseph dies and he requires the Israelites to one day carry his bones out of Egypt when God ultimately leads them back to Canaan, the promised land. Because, see, God never intended to leave Israel there. He always intended to take them back to their land and to take them home. And so now we find Joseph. He has died. And he says, you have to carry my bones back home when you leave this place. Don't leave me here. I want to go home. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, the Bible says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. If I'm not mistaken, somebody else made mention of that too. I think it was Jacob, wasn't it? And now Joseph is making mention. Now he is sharing that the children of Israel will depart. And he gave commandment concerning his bones. I can only imagine him saying, now listen, I'm dying. And you and your families have multiplied in these latter days. I want you to promise me that before, and of course we know that more than likely his brethren had already died. His literal brothers are no longer on the scene. Now more than likely it's their children and their children's children. And so now he's talking to them and saying, remember, I brought your, fam- your parents into this land. I- I'm ensured that they were cared for and God blessed us here in this place. And God's going to carry us out of this place. And God's going to take my bones and place them in another land called Canaan where it's really home. This is not your home. Don't you ever forget it young men young ladies as he speaks to them and I got to believe that his body and bones along with that coffin he was buried in would continually remind the suffering and impatient Israelites of the promise that God had made them I got to believe that when the burden on their backs became so heavy that they thought they'd be crushed by it, they'd look over at that tomb and they'd remember that this too will pass because we're not staying here forever. i got to believe when the taskmasters belittled them, berated them, beat them, and burdened them down all the more, their faith would be fueled as they rejoiced at the thought that God would one day send a deliverer to lead them out of Egypt and back to home walk by that old coffin and they go that's old Joseph you know old Joseph there he believed God was going to send a deliverer he believed God was going to take us back to Canaan where we belong he believed that one day he told us to carry his bones out we've passed that down from generation to generation to generation and boy it seems at times like this will never end it seems like this slavery and this judgment on us it almost feels like it's judgment from God oh God hear our cry oh God answer our prayers oh God fulfill your promises we're burdened in this place They'd look and say, but Joseph believed and Jacob believed. We got to believe. Just keep on going one more day. Every time they saw that coffin and thought about the faith of Joseph, they were reminded once again 
and convinced all over again that it was only a matter of time before they were in their own land. God help us to leave a legacy of faith that will inspire others to keep on going when the going gets tough. When their own faith seems to be wavering, when their own faith seems to be dwindling, they'll look and remember our faith and say, He believed. She believed with all her heart. I believe Him. I know it's true. I've seen evidence of it in their life. By the way, God kept His promise and returned Israel back to the land that He had promised them. And you know, Joseph's bones were buried in Canaan, just like He said. Look, if you will, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 32. Joshua chapter 24, verse 32. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 32, we read, The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt. (laughs) Think about that. Almost 400 years later, You know what that means, really? Think about this for a minute. Do you know that that means that those bones probably were pretty well marked? That means that there was probably, when it says he was put in a coffin, somebody could have identified that coffin. You've got to believe that at some point, when the children of Israel, almost 400 years later, decide to leave the land and God's leading and directing them out, that somehow somebody goes, hey, whoa, 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 don't forget those bones. Whose bones? Right there, Joseph's. Remember those? You know, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about um, discoveries that have been made to uh, confirm the accuracy or the, the uh, authority of the Bible. You know, one of the big things was that there was no evidence of a Joseph that actually lived. You know, that's one of those things they've been trying to kick around and say, well, if it was really true that the Israelites really lived, uh, were there and, and occupied the land of Goshen and so many of them were there, there would be evidence that they were there. Well, they're finding that probably about 100 years or so before they had thought, you know, that the time frames may be a little bit different. But when they look back, not where they've been looking all along, but about 100 or 150 years earlier, you know what they find? Evidence of this huge mass of Semites, Sem- uh, of basically Jews. And you know what's interesting as well? They found a building that just could be what? The tomb of Joseph now. Isn't that something? Notice it says they buried, they brought him out of Egypt. They buried, buried they, uh, in Shechem and a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. He made it. He finally got home. God kept His promise, just like He said. And you know God's going to keep His promise with us. Oh, I know it gets tough around here, and I know it's difficult, and I know we live in a world where we think to ourselves it can't get any worse, but it can. And it is, isn't it? It seems like morality has been just thrown out the window. It's just that people, it just seems that more and more people that we'd never dream would take a position that they take and we go, wow, I never would have dreamed they would have stood on this side of the fence on that. But they do. Well, I'll tell you, the pressures of society are so great. And it seems like our world's only getting worse. But may I say to you, don't, don't fret. Don't worry. Just keep on going another day. Yeah. Because the Bible says... He's coming back. 
I mean, he says that he went to prepare a place for us, and if he went to prepare a place for us, he will come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is there we may be also. I mean, listen, every time we walk by the tomb, we look and it's empty. When they walked by, it was still filled. Jesus isn't there anymore. And He's not on a cross. Now listen, now, you do what you want. But I don't, I'm not wearing any cross that has Him on it. Because He's not on any cross. Amen. And He's not in any tomb today. He is on the throne today at the right hand of the Father. And He's making intercession on our behalf. And one day, He's going to step off that throne. And He's going to make His way back down. That He can once again reclaim what's rightfully His. And receive us unto Himself. That where He is there, we may be also. Don't you let yourself get discouraged. Those promises are good and He'll keep His word just like He did with Joseph. He'll keep His word with you and I. But God help us to live our lives in such a way that when we've graduated to heaven, those left behind will continue to draw strength from our faith and be ever more convinced that the promises of His coming to take us home are still alive and well. Lessons from the grave. And what do we learn from that coffin in Egypt and the bones of Joseph? Well, we learn we are never really at home while in this world because we're citizens of heaven. We learn to follow in the footsteps of the faithful. And we learn to leave a legacy of faith so that others can follow. God help us to do that. Boy, lessons from the grave. I love the title, but I think the lessons are even better. God help us to be men and women of faith, that many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Father, we need you today. We thank you once again for the privilege that we've had to gather here tonight. And Lord, we pray that you'd just bless us. Lord, as we look forward to our baptism tonight, as we take time to gather potentially or practically at an altar if necessary. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our heart.